0: Good morning. My name is Ray Brandon. I have the opportunity to introduce uh, uh, to you our, our guest speaker, one of our missionaries, uh, Patricio, um, and his wife, Sandra, are here um, this morning. We really appreciate them uh, coming out uh, to, to be with us uh, today. Uh, one of our elders, John Heaprank, and myself two years ago had the opportunity to travel to, uh, to Latin America, to Costa Rica, where one of the trainings um, was, was taking place and uh, um, patricio is uh, the director in charge of all of uh, latin america so central and south america and um, we were there with pastor jorge who was one of the the regional one of the regional trainers Um, and he was from honduras and um, it was Patricio and Pastor Jorge, and they let me in on a training, but I think that was uh, just to humble me <laughs> um, as everything had to be translated. And um, But it was just a wonderful experience. Um, Word Partners is a unique ministry. And uh, you you know some of Word Partners. We we sponsor a a Kalamazoo group, and that meets right here in the auditorium. And there's a brand new group that's starting um, this fall in Grand Rapids that came from this group, and it is influencing churches um, around the globe. And it's doing it through one particular thing, and that is uh, training pastors uh, to study and preach the word of god from the text and we call that expository preaching now given that that's what patricio does um, i've asked him to come and share um, with us this morning which is different than expository preaching we are going to open the word of god but i want you to have a sense um, of who Patricio and his wife is, and this ministry is, and what it does, and, and, um, and how um, it holds forward the, the Word of God um, that transforms the lives of um, pastors and churches all around the globe. John and I, and Patricio, and Dave DeHaan, Dave, Dave's been here, and, and, and you've had the opportunity to hear him, him speak. We were sitting in a little cafe and with several of the pastors there, and we asked them, How has this changed your church? And one of them said, Oh, my church? This has changed me. Just ask my wife. And uh, if you need anything more than that to know that the Word of God is effective, right? It it changed his life. It changed his family. And it went forward to change his church. And that is the kind of reformation that is happening when the Word of God is studied and when it is held forth and when it is preached. So, brother, thank you so much for making the trip to be here with us this weekend. God bless you. Well, good morning. It's a pleasure, and uh, it's very
1: exciting to be here. I wanted to know Northbridge for a long time, knowing uh, Pastor Ray, almost for two years, and having the experience of, of being with him, or him with us, actually, in Costa Rica. It, it, has, it was very exciting for, for, him, for us to, to know that we were invited to come to your church. Thank you for having us Um, we are part of a ministry that is very important and i'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a moment but first of all i want you to know my wife so that's the most important thing about everything here so well apart from the lord of course yeah
2: (laughs) please the lord is number one yes uh it really is a pleasure to be here today my name is sandra and pat just asked me to say a little bit about our family Um, i was born and raised in guatemala in central america my parents were missionaries and um, so i think you know, some some MKs, as we're called, sometimes resent being uh, you know, raised overseas. That wasn't my case. I feel that it was just a, a wonderful opportunity the Lord gave me to um, understand more the world because I grew up with, with two cultures. And so um, that's very special. Uh, I did meet Pat when he came to the seminary from Costa Rica, because he's from Costa Rica, to study at the seminary uh, where my dad was a professor. And so I was 18, he was 19 when we met. And um, we both studied at the seminary, the four-year program and graduated, went back to Costa Rica to serve the Lord for 18 years in Costa Rica. And uh, we have two lovely daughters. Um, Monica is, um, boy, here it is, 33, I believe it is. And uh, she's married to Jeremy Chambers and they're in a church planning ministry in Richmond, Virginia. And um, we're just really blessed seeing what the Lord is doing through them. Stephanie uh, lives with us still. She's 29, and she's a cake decorator. So she does awesome creations. And uh, we just thank the Lord for her also. Um, They're in, um, we Pat's going to say a little bit more, but he did want me to to mention. We came up to the to the states to work among the Hispanics, and then the Lord also opened up this opportunity for Pat to be the Latin American director for Word Partners. Um, but we also have a local ministry in our church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, um, a Hispanic ministry. And so it's called Coinonia, and uh, we are blessed to serve the Hispanic community right there in Lancaster. Um, I have the privilege of leading the women's ministry and uh, I enjoy that very much and uh, so that's just a little bit about us so I will pass it over to my hubby. Thanks so much for having us.
1: If you know my wife she loves to talk so (laughs) the fact that she gave me the time now to talk then and uh, (laughs) just kidding. Um, Yeah so we we uh, go to a church in Lancaster County called Calvary Church, and uh, the Cornonia is a ministry of the church, so the Hispanic ministry is not like a separate church, but it's part of, of the church there, and um, I know that uh, Pastor Ray and, and his wife, Grace, especially has great connection to Lancaster County, and uh, uh, when, we, when we arrived there, I said that half of Calvary Church was related to Sandra, <laughs> because she has uncles and cousins and second cousins and third cousins and fourth cousins and on and on and on and so it was it was interesting to to be in that church and uh, the lord uh, allow us to start this special ministry there as Sandra said I'm originally from Costa Rica um, I was born in a Christian home and my dad came from Ecuador to study in Costa Rica in a, a specialized uh, school of agriculture and he became a specialist in cacao or in cocoa, and so I grew up in farms in cocoa farms and and it was wonderful to just taste the, the sweetness of, of the fruit of cocoa, and it's much different from the processed um, you know seeds or or, or beans. Uh, when you open one of those pods, you see all those. Sweet uh, seeds inside that you can just taste and suck, and it's delicious. Have you ever tasted that? No? Yeah. It doesn't taste like chocolate. taste. No, you have to taste it sometimes, so I won't, I won't describe it. Um, so I was born in Costa Rica to a Christian home, and that is very rare, actually. That shows the grace of God in my life. And uh, to see, to be born in a Christian home in a very Catholic uh, environment that uh, all all Latin America has, and so I was raised in the church in a sense, and a love for for the word was something that I learned from the beginning when I was a little baby. I was taught well uh, about the Bible, and so especially about loving to learn about the Bible, and so you know, one of our our teachers allow us to, to learn the, all the, the, the names of the books of the Bible. When I was 10 years old, I was uh, introduced to the grace of the gospel, and I became a Christian, a, a follower of Jesus when I was 10 years old. And so it was, it was amazing how God has worked in my life, and uh, I was going to become an ambassador for my country, not because I had studied, but I wanted to study that, but when I was studying uh, in the university, I started seeing the people there as uh, people that were very superficial. People that were, um, you know, just looking to, to be better than the other ones no matter what. And so I said, Lord, I don't want to be that kind of person. So the Lord started putting in me a, a, a desire, an interest in doing something else. And I didn't know what, but. Uh, the Lord allowed me to go to Guatemala, to the seminary there, and uh, become uh, an ambassador for Christ. Amen. So yeah, that's much, much better. And so, excuse me, this is about our ministry in, in, in Lancaster. Um, so, so when I went to, to Guatemala, I met Sandra there, and the thing is that she was the daughter of one of my professors. <laughs> that complicated things a little bit. <laughs> Especially because he was a very strong man. He still is, but he is turning 91 years old this, this month in a couple of weeks, and, uh, but it was he, he's a, a man of the word. And so I, I, I learned so much from him. And, uh, and he allowed me to be Sandra's boyfriend so that was a plus. Uh, so, so eventually we you know after four years I graduated and the next day we got married and uh, Sandra stayed one more year because she also st- studied in the seminary and we went to, to work in Costa Rica uh, we worked there for uh, 18 years as a pastor then as the Dean of Students of the Bible School that we had there. Then I went back to the seminary to get my master's degree and then go back to Costa Rica again to, to be the, the president of the Bible school. So we were there in Costa Rica for 18 years and the Lord used a missionary that lived in Costa Rica that came back to the States uh, to, to bring us here to the States. So 17 years ago, the Lord brought us here to the, to the U.S. We were, we were praying for a change in ministry. But we didn't pray ever, Lord, take us to the Holy Land, the U.S. of, of America. Now, as many others are praying in Latin America and around the world, we are not praying that way. But, uh, and you know, from where our, our help is coming, is coming from the north. <laughs> no, we are not praying that way. But the Lord brought us here, and that is very, very important, because we knew that he was opening doors and allowing us to see him really calling us to be here in the States. So we came to work with the Hispanics uh, in different places around the country. I travel a lot around the country with the mission to establish our churches in Costa Rica. And then the Lord opened up the opportunity to, to be called to serve with work partners. And it's a, it has been a blessing since 10, 10 years ago. I've been the regional director for Latin America of this ministry, called before Leadership Resources, or LRI. I know that some of you have heard LRI before and are hearing Word Partners. Then you say, well, what's this? No, so we changed the name because Word Partners better reflects what we do. We are an organization that is centered on the Word of God, and it, we do this through partners around the world. And uh, God is our first partner, of course. And he is the one that is doing all that, uh, that he's doing through his Word around the world. Um, we have had an impact around the world. And I'm going to say some numbers now about what's going on in Latin America. Uh, we are working in 11 countries in Latin America. We have been... We have 78 training partners, that means ones that uh, have graduated or people that are, are now in the next level of, of our training. 78 of those. We have 126 different training groups in, in, Ameri- in Latin America. And we are making an impact of around 5,000 pastors and leaders in Latin America. And it's only me and another co-worker that we travel to different countries but we're not doing this alone that's where the partnership comes along the element of partnership and uh, so good partners is it's an organization that longs to see the word of god flowing powerfully through every church to every nation can I I'll say it again so you can repeat it with me you know? <laughs> Word Partners longs to see the Word of God flowing powerfully through every church, to every nation. And uh, we know that we cannot do it alone. We need our partners in each country. So that's why what we do is basically teach a small group of pastors in how to preach God's Word with God's heart. So what we are saying with that is basically that we allowed the pastors to get deep into the word and trying to see what God was really trying to say through, through his word. And uh, the problem is that many pastors, not only in Latin America, but around the world, and even here in the States, are, are more focused on speaking their own words, preaching their own personalities, emphasizing some you know, cultural things, but not speaking about the Word, not preaching the Word. So what we're trying to tell them is, hey, you need to return to the Word of God. I always say that many pulpits need to be redeemed in Latin America and around the world. You know the concept of redemption. Redemption is basically paying a a cost, a price, to liberate someone or something. And so God already paid the price for us and for the preaching of his word. But many pastors are, are subject to ideas, cultural you know, things that are, are going on. And they, and they want to, to, to be as other churches are, other pastors are, and they don't preach the word. So our ministry is a ministry that allows the pastors to go back to the word to 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 concentrate in saying what God wants them to say. So preaching the word of God with God's heart. So all around the world, pastors are being transformed. And what Pastor Ray mentioned is something that you will hear in many of the pastors that we teach. It's not only a thing of knowledge. See, the thing is that the word of God wasn't written, so you will might know a lot of God, of the church, of your life. It's not, that's not the purpose of this book. The purpose of this book is for you to change, for you to be transformed. And pastors need to be transformed also, even though they are people that have been in the ministry or have been in, in the Lord for many, many years. All of us, we need to daily be transformed by the word of God. So when you hear a testimony like this pastor said, Oh, I have been transformed. My church, of course, is being transformed because I am transformed. It's something that we hear all the time. And that's really what we are wanting to hear. That uh, the Word of God is really producing a change, a transformation in the lives of the pastors. You see, when when we open the, the Word of God and we are saying, Lord, let me... Let me say what you say. We are submitting to the Lord. We're submitting to his word. We're submitting to his authority over us. And that way then he is free to use us to say what he wants us to do and to say. So pastors are being transformed or they, or they submit to a powerful word of the Lord. So how do we do this? I don't know if Pastor Ray has mentioned a little bit of what how we do this but basically we go to the same group of pastors is is a small group of pastors that we recognize and we and we partner with in a different country we go to that same group of pastors eight times in four years so it's basically twice a year for four years we go to that same same group pastors what we do is we have workshops so these are not classes these are workshops, so, so there's a lot of interaction. There's a lot of questions and answers. There's a lot of participation. There's a lot of, of uh, learning that way. We, we think that that's uh, a better way to learn than just someone standing up and, and saying something, and everybody is uh, taking notes, and that's it. But we have eight workshops, and in those eight workshops, we are using eight principles that I know that you know them. I I would like to to do a little test. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Can anybody of you tell me one of the principles that is very key to learning and studying the word of God that Pastor Ray has been? Okay, yeah, brave man. (laughs) Staying on the line, yes, excellent. Oh, look at that, text and framework, wow. Hey, old people, learn from the kids. Yeah, anybody else? Exactly, traveling instructions, wow. Sandra, you know, we have to remember this, yeah. Praise the Lord, and yes, we have eight different principles that are now they're going to become ten with with a new format that we're going to introduce with the new material. But uh, those eight principles are fundamental. We think like asking good questions. You know, we sometimes we go to the text and we don't ask the the good questions. We we ask superficial questions. We have to go deeper into the text, asking better questions. Uh, and, and some other ones, they're very, very fundamental, so you can uh, learn what the Bible is saying. But as those two wonderful kids at the beginning said, the two fundamental ones are staying on the line and text and framework. What is staying on the line? What is the line? the word the word of God exactly so the word of God is the line and so this is an illustration so imagine a line and you say that's the word of God you have to stay on the line to be faithful to the word of God if you add something to the word of God what are you doing? You're, hmm? yeah of course you're getting off the line but uh, you are imposing in the text something that the text doesn't say. So, for instance, you said, Oh, yes, God says that, but, and when you say that, but, then that, that's a problem. Because what you're saying is, Oh, what is there in the Bible is not enough, it's not sufficient. There's something else that needs to be added to, to make it relevant to make it important and that's not true the Word of God is sufficient the Word of God is powerful the Word of God is the truth and when we come to understand and accept that then we have to be faithful to the Word of God staying on the line if you add something to the Word of God saying that but this you're becoming a legalist So all the legalists around the world are people that are saying the word is not enough. But then you go under the the line, and that means that you subtract from what the, the word is saying. Okay, this is what it says there, but we are not interested in obeying that. We're going to take it away, take it off the Bible. Have you heard about the Jefferson Bible? The Jefferson Bible, you know, the, one of the presidents of the United States, it's in Jefferson's uh, museum in Virginia. The Jefferson Bible is basically a Bible that Jefferson one day took and with a very sharp knife he started cutting out all the passages that did not fit with your rational understanding so if there was a miracle, if there was something supernatural, it was something that is incredible, you need to cut it off. And so painstakingly, he cut every passage that he didn't accept as rational. And he then blew up all the rest, and that became Jefferson's Bible. Is that the Bible, really? Of course not. Uh, Sandra gave me uh, a copy of of the New Testament, New Testament of the of the Jefferson Bible. I have it there at home. It is it is eerie to open those pages and read that and see that there's all all the all, all the the birth of Christ is taken off, taken away from Matthew, from Luke, because it's it's, it's so supernatural that. That He he decided that that wasn't important. And today in our culture, many people are doing the same thing. And sometimes maybe you do the same thing. When you come to a passage in the Bible and say, this is too hard to obey. This is too hard to accept. Let's, Let's pass this over and not pay attention to this. And we are becoming people that are not faithful sometimes to... Everything that is said in the Bible. Our culture is, of course, rejecting the whole thing. But especially our rewriting some things that uh, we have here in the Bible. It's, it's sad. So we are asking the pastors to be faithful to the Word of God. And of course, our framework, as you know, has to be submitted to the Word of God. And so... The, the way you have been taught, the way that you have learned things in your life, the, of who you are as a, per, as a person, it has to be submitted to the powerful truth of the Word of God. Otherwise, then you will come with your framework and you will say, "Ah, eh, I don't like that passage. Oh, uh, I want to interpret it in another way. And you will change what what God is saying in his in his word. So I always like to, to do this illustration. I want myself to be under the authority of the word of God. There's nothing about it. You know God this is God speaking to us. Have you realized that? When you open this word this pages, God is speaking to you. It's not, it's not a pastor, it's not, it's not a teacher, it's God speaking to you. So when we, you understand that, you, you will submit to that God that loves you so much that he, sends, he sent his only son to die on the cross for you. And you will obey what the Lord is saying in his word. So we're asking those pastors to really stay on the line, to submit their frameworks to the word of God, but of course, we go over the other, the, other, the other principles like genre, structure, good questions, traveling instructions, idea, and transformational intent, and the biblical theology. And now we're introducing something called tone and mood. I know that Pastor Reyes is already talking about it. So what is the tone of the, of, of, of the author in this passage? Is he sad, is he, is he happy, is he worried? What, what is the tone? And what is the mood? What is the reaction? What is the response that we have according to that mood? And we're talking about the medallic line. That's a combination of tone, main idea, and transformational intent. So we are interested in seeing a movement of the Word of God in every country. Do you understand what is a movement of the Word of God? Where where can we find that in the Bible? Is this something that word partners invented? No, it's it's seen in in the book of Acts, actually. In the book of Acts, the Book of Acts we see at least four passages that teach us about that that element of the word increasing, growing, being uh, just you know going out to different people, different places. And I just want to mention some of those passages for you this morning, but we're going to concentrate on only one of those. The first one is Acts 6-7. And before I say something about this, well, we're going to talk a little bit more about this if we have enough time. But it says this, Acts 6-7, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the truth. That's Acts six seven. Now, chapter twelve, verse twenty four. Chapter twelve, verse twenty four. It says, "But the word of God increased and multiplied." Then, in chapter thirteen, verse forty nine. Thirteen, forty nine. It says, "And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout." the whole region. And then we jump to Acts 19 verse 20. Acts 19 verse 20. Where it says, so the word of the Lord continue to increase and prevail mightily. And I would like you to when you go home, if you write wrote down this, this passages to, to read the context of each of this passage. What is the context? What counts before, basically, this passage. Because we're not doing a theology, only one verse. We have to see what's going on before. And that's what we're going to see in, in chapter 6 of, of, uh, of Acts. So go back home and read those passages and see what's going on. You will see how wonderful God is working in the lives of many there to... Come to that conclusion about those uh, passages that say that the word of God is, is flowing or is, is, is growing. So the word of God flows powerfully when we are committed to preach it. That's what chapter 6 verses 1 to 7 is teaching us. That the word of, of the Lord flows powerfully when we are committed to preach it. The book of Acts is a, it's a book of history. It, some, some say that it's only a history of the church. But the book of Acts actually is history about God's doing in the midst of people or peoples that he wants to reach. And the, 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 the book of Acts is the book where the Holy Spirit is actually touching the lives of many of the peoples that nobody else was interested in reaching. Luke is the author of the book of Acts. And this is like, this is the, like the second volume. Uh, you remember the, that Luke... The uh, the Gospel of Luke is the first volume that he was uh, writing to Theophilus. This was a very important man that uh, Luke was reaching with the Gospel. And so he wrote all about Jesus in, in the Gospel. Now he's writing the second volume, the book of Acts. And he is introducing to this Theophilus and all the readers that he was writing to what God was doing after Jesus went to be with the Lord. Well, to be in heaven. Uh, and so, so you can see you know, a progression of the gospel through the book of Acts. When we come to chapter 6 of the book of Acts, we read this. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing, verse 1, chapter 6, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows we're being neglected in the daily distribution, so there's a problem. The church is growing, and problems are rising. Is that familiar to you? When a church established and uh, you know is being faithful to the Lord, there are going to be problems, and you know that there's one that it wants to destroy, divide. The church, and that's our enemy, Satan. And so, in a sense, this problem was because some widows were being neglected. And uh, this passage sometimes had been used uh, to talk many, many times about uh, some characteristics of the, of the deacons in the church. But I think that the chapter 6 and this, this specific passage talks some of something much bigger. And much important than just the establishment of, of, of deacons. So we see here that there's a problem. The number of the disciples increased and there was a complaint. The Hellenists or the Greek people that were there as part of the church in Jerusalem were, were talking against the Hebrews because their widows, the Hellenist widows, were being neglected in the daily distribution. So when the church started in Jerusalem, it, it started growing exponentially. Remember, 5,000 or 3,000 first, 5,000 then, 8,000 people. And many of them came from different parts of the known world, and they were there in Jerusalem. They, didn't, they weren't with their families. They weren't with, in, their, in their own uh, uh, countries. And so the Jews that lived in Jerusalem and other parts near Jerusalem started to provide in for the needs of these people beautiful you read in chapter two at the end how people were were selling their properties just to to help the, their fellow uh, brothers and sisters to to live in those times there in Jerusalem it was beautiful the unity the love that they have for each other the, the care that they have for each other but then you come to this passage and and it seems like Luke is saying uh-oh there's a problem. And that problem is to be fixed. And there's a potential of division. There's a potential of, of misunderstandings there, or, of, of being felt like they, they're not loved. But that wasn't the, the problem. The problem was that uh, they were being neglected. So problems in a church are not something that don't happen. It's, 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 it's a reality, especially in young churches. But, you know, this happens all around the world. Problems that uh, may cause divisions. You know, when I see this, I say, "Oh, oh what's going to happen? Is the church in Jerusalem going to divide? Okay, we, don't, we cannot live with each other. You're neglecting us, so you go ahead and form your church over there. All the Hellenists, okay, you go over there, we go over here. That didn't happen. We'll see why. But that wasn't the, 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 the way to, to resolve the problem. And the apostles knew that. And so in verse 2 and 3 and 4, we see the reason that brought a solution to this problem look at me at verse 2 and the 12 the 12 apostles that were there as the leaders of the church summoned the full number of the disciples and said it is not right it is not right it is wrong that we should give up preaching what the word of god to serve tables therefore brothers Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. And look at verse 4. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Wow. What an amazing solution. But note that there was a conviction in the lives and the hearts of these 12 apostles. Their conviction was that the word of God was so important. For the life of the church. That they were not going to be distracted by anything. Even though what they were basically going to do was going to keep the church together. But they were committed not to to be distracted. And you know, some problems distract us from the importance of what is the Word of God. And this, this guys, this 12 men that, that Jesus called himself, and one was elected by the Lord in this uh, election that they made after the Lord went to, went, went to heaven, this 12 decided that the most important thing for them to do was to preach the Word of God. When you see many pastors today, and Pastor Ray is not one of those, of course, but many pastors around the world are distracted, are very distracted from doing what God has called them to do. And what God has called them to do is to preach the Word. The first time we met with the pastors in Honduras, we asked them to write on the board, All the things that they were involved in the church. All the things that they do every day or every week. We filled the whole board. 35 different things that those pastors were involved. From opening and closing the church. To picking up the the offering. To worship. To many, many things. Including, of course, preaching the word. And discipleship. And, and we started saying, okay, let's, let's take away, let's, let's uh, erase all the things that you, you think that are not as important that you can delegate to someone else. And so they started erasing. And, of course, we stayed with the three most important ones, prayer, discipleship, well, another one, evangelism, and, of course, preaching the word. See, the thing is that in many of our countries, the pastor the church doesn't have the economic or the financial um, opportunity to give a whole um, full salary to the pastor. So many of those pastors need to have a second job. So they have to work during the week, and they don't have time to do their work in the the church. So sadly, what they preach in the church is, is something that is not very well studied and prepared. Sadly, some of these pastors have thought thought that uh, that this way of doing things is normal. But when we come to them we say, no, really the most important ministry that you have is to open the Word of God and and show what God wants for for the people. They are amazed. They they don't think that uh, that is something that that can, they can do many times. Other times what happens is that then when, when they when they open the Word of God actually they are not preaching the Word of God because they don't have confidence in the Word of God. They, they, they think that the, the Word of God needs help from them with special uh, ways of saying things, um, uh, doing, doing uh, ex- extravagant things sometimes so the word of God will touch the hearts of the people. No, no, no. The word of God is enough. It's sufficient to touch the, the hearts of the people. When I was a pastor, many times I come to a point when I was asking the Lord, what should I preach to these people? Tell me, Lord. Help me to know what's What's their needs? What are their needs? And, and I came to the understanding that, you know, even though I can see people, they can show me just the external things in their lives, but I cannot know their hearts. The only one that knows your heart is the Lord. And the, the pastor or the teacher can, can come to you and, and just preach something thinking that that will fulfill your need. But actually, maybe it won't because we don't know. We, we're not God. We don't we know the needs that you have internally, but God knows. And He's going to use the word and, and take it to your heart, to your mind, and produce a transformation in your, in your life. And that is something that we have to trust. Not in something that we can do or we can not do, but uh, these guys were committed to the Word of God. And they then, then what the, the text says is that they chose seven, seven men, that these this men were of good repute, filled with the Spirit. They were people that n- followed Jesus. They were godly people. And I suppose that these, these guys were guys that know the, the Word that studied the word, that uh, were submitted to the word of God. And so they lived godly lives. And they were chosen. And at the end, in verse 7, we have a result. And the result is this. And the word of God continued. That word is important. Not started to, but continued to increase. How we saw that continued increase. The number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Have you think sometime about someone that you think, oh no, that person would not ever come to know the Lord. Have you ever thought that? That person is so has a, such, such a hard heart that I don't think that that person is ever going to come to know the Lord. Well, these guys, these priests, were the guys that were shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! Those were the guys that were in that council, you know, saying that Jesus needed to be taken away. But these guys heard the word of God, and by the Holy Spirit touching their hearts, they came to know the Lord. What an amazing result of a leadership leadership that was committed to the Word of God this these disciples, this apostles were that committed to the Word of God and I praise the Lord for Norbridge because you, you are committed to the Word of God and you are going to see great results because the Word of God is what is going to through the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of people is going to change our lives daily so that's why I encourage you not to just come to church on Sunday and hear someone speaking, but every day in your week, you put apart a small time to hear the voice of God and see what God wants you to change. Maybe it's something that you're thinking. Maybe it's something that you're feeling. Maybe it's something that uh, needs to be changing your character. We all need to to be transformed. So submit to the Word of God and ask the Lord to keep on transforming you. The Word of God is our passion. And uh, we are wanting all these pastors to do this in other uh, communities that we cannot reach. And that's why we choose the best pastors that uh, come to our trainings and, and, and develop those pastors so they can become trainers themselves. And that way, having men that are committed to the word, we're going to see the word of God increasing powerfully around the world. And I want to thank you all for your prayers. Thank you all for for your participation with with our ministry. Thank you that uh, you are being part of what we're doing around the world, especially in Latin America. Because your prayers are going to touch the hearts of pastors that will become men that will teach, preach, and submit to the word of God themselves. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that uh, you gave us your word. That your word is powerful. That your word is enough, sufficient for us to just know it and live by it. I want to pray, Lord, for this church, for Norbridge, for Ray, his past, the pastor of the church, and the elders. I want to pray, Lord, that you may keep on blessing them, using them to preach your word and touch the hearts of, of all that sit here every Sunday. Father, I, I understand that uh, the culture, the, the, the society in which we live these days produce uh, a lot of distractions for us. And I want to pray, Lord, that you may really help us to, to commit to your word, to, to just submit to her, and to allow your word to really transform our lives. Father, thank you. Thank you for Northridge. And I pray, Lord, that you may keep on using them to reach many other people around this community. Pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.